Capacity in the industrial real estate market remains tight. Walmart is betting big on in-store micro-fulfillment. And why is there a big demand for goods-to-person technologies? Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by DCV TV. Five channels of streaming video are yours for the viewing on DCV TV. Major improvements have been made to the DCV TV platform to enhance the viewing experience, provide greater search capabilities, and to expand the capacity of the video library well beyond the 3,000 plus videos already in the archive. Be sure to check it all out at dcvtv.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, real estate capacity for warehousing seems to be very tight. What's the outlook for industrial real estate for this year and beyond? To answer that question, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Yes, today our guest is Melinda McLaughlin, Vice President, Global Head of Research for Industrial Real Estate Firm Prologis. She's here to talk with us today about trends in warehousing and industrial real estate. Welcome, Melinda. Thanks, Victoria. Pleased to be here. Great. Well, I'll just jump right into it. Um, warehouse and distribution center capacity remains tight as 2021 gets underway. Would you say there's a shortage of space or how do you expect the situation to play out this year? Great question. In many locations, absolutely, there is a shortage of space. Throughout the U.S., the vacancy rate is about 4.8%, which is near its historic low. This has barely moved during the pandemic, even as a good amount of new logistics supply has come online. And as far as going forward, you know, this has already begun to play out in the market. Competition for limited availabilities has definitely increased. And addition to the surge in leasing we saw during 4Q, we're seeing a rise in build-to-suit projects, um, so for specific customers um, and strongly pre-leasing in the construction pipeline. So speaking specifically to the shortage, the pandemic-related pause on construction activity we had last spring is going to produce really critical shortages in many of the top logistics market during the first half of this year especially. Wow, thank you. Um, how does that affect the cost of space? What are you seeing there? So we did see rents rise through year-end in most markets across the U.S. In total, they grew by 3.2% in 2020. Um, in turn, this is attracted capital. Developers are bidding up land costs, and so replacement costs are really rising. That'll get carried into future rents along with this heightened competition. Um, so we expect about 5% rent growth in 2021, um, so accelerating relative to last year. Wow. Okay. Um, there's a lot of, along with that, uh, there's a lot of talk about converting avail available real estate, uh, I'm sorry, retail space into warehousing and logistics facilities. Is this beginning to happen? Is that what you are you seeing any of that? Um, yes. So in total, retail conversions really represent, um, even potential retail conversions represent a very small portion of the market. We've looked into this in a couple of papers and we estimate that retail conversions could total five to 10 million square feet of new logistics supply in the US um, per year over the next several years, that really equates to less than 3% of a typical year of logistics supply. So while there are some examples of successful conversions, um, as we note in our paper, it's not only tough 
to find a distressed retail location and space that then works well for logistics, but incredibly complicated to get alignment from all of the stakeholders. Great. So, so we may be hearing more talk about this than is actually happening because uh, I agree those challenges are many. Um, what, what features are logistics customers looking for when it comes to industrial or warehouse space? Um, and particularly, I was wondering, you know, what role does technology and automation play? Well, you know, technology is definitely the future and something to think about. Um, but for logistics, and maybe this helps also illuminate why many retail spaces don't work for this use, it'll depend on the function within the supply chain and the user, but there are a few broad trends. So location is really the top concern, especially for last touch delivery, um, so that growing e-commerce um, and e-fulfillment sector. But if we're speaking solely about building features, there are some general patterns, which include lower coverage, um, so less building um, relative to the, the land and especially the parking, um, higher clear heights that can accommodate some of these um, automation technologies, and you know, across the board access to power. On automation, we actually released a few reports recently, and with the exception of some of the most highly specialized equipment, we found that automation adoption was rising as technologies were getting more flexible and modular. So that really reduces the need to seek out a very specific type of building or specific building features because you can move this technology within the facility that you already have. Great, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask um, about the surge in e-commerce and the need to focus on last mile delivery. What, what trends are you seeing in overall demand for space in that regard? And when it comes to location, you mentioned location a minute ago, but how is, how is this um, affecting the market? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think it's news that e-commerce has been growing rapidly, especially this year um, or 2020. And this focus on faster delivery times has really played into location selection and locations that are closer to the end consumer remain in high demand. And we see even um, more urgency on this trend going forward. But I would say even for brick and mortar retail operations, a focus on rapid replenishment is pulling distribution facilities closer to dense urban and suburban environments too. So it's really about all about um, proximity to the end consumer. Right. Prologis recently completed some research on the environmental benefits of e-commerce compared to traditional brick and mortar stores. I was wondering if you could give us a snapshot of what you learned and, and what it reveals about today's warehousing and logistics space. Well, I think it reveals a lot about today's warehousing and logistics space, but also about the future of where this industry is going. Sustainability is absolutely going to be a cornerstone of that future. Now, on the study specifically, MIT actually did the research but my team highlighted some of the specific implications for logistics real estate and for our customers. So ultimately what MIT found was that on average, e-commerce led to 36% fewer carbon emissions per package relative to brick and mortar shopping. And that was mostly due to more efficient transportation routing where a single delivery van can replace hundred shopping trips or more. And that's great, of course, because e-commerce is definitely not going away. Now, focusing only on logistics real estate, they did model a few specific scenarios that have big implications for our industry. Um, the one I think is most powerful is the inclusion of an urban fulfillment center for last touch delivery, with packages that come from within a city's borders to consumer doorsteps, rather than from the outskirts in. Now, the inclusion of this type of a fulfillment uh, facility reduced transportation-related emissions by up to half. 
and that translated to 10% fewer emissions per package. And this is really because you keep the economies of scale by having packages on a much larger truck until you get much closer to its final destination. So those delivery vans that we all see have to travel a much shorter distance um, relative to coming from outside in, and that reduces not only emissions, but cost and congestion. Um, so that was one of those takeaways that we found was really powerful logistics real estate. Additional innovations out there that can help with this balance, again, because we definitely see e-commerce taking hold and growing more going forward, are electrification of the vehicle fleet, which can um, reduce transportation emissions even more, um, and innovations in packing, data and analytics. You know, there's a lot of innovation happening in the supply chain right now. And so it's great to see it from a logistics real estate provider's perspective and be alongside customers as they're trying to put this into action. I agree, the innovation is just, um, just amazing to watch these days, absolutely. Melinda, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Melinda and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Ben, you wrote this week about Walmart's initiative to build micro DCs in many of its retail stores. Can you tell us more? That's right, Dave. Uh, it was a really interesting story that came out this week. Uh, we often talk a lot about e-commerce uh, on the podcast and cover it for the magazine. And for sure, there's been a huge boom uh, in the amount of goods that people buy online in the past year. We've all been stuck at home during the pandemic. Uh, at the same time, that's led to a lot of store closures and, and mall closings uh, due to the recession. But we got a big reminder this week that at least one major retailer thinks brick and mortar stores aren't going to disappear. Uh, in fact, they'll play a growing role in commerce in coming years. Uh, what happened was we learned that Walmart plans to build micro distribution centers or micro fulfillment centers more specifically in many of its retail stores. Anyone who's shopped in a Walmart before knows that they tend to use these huge buildings, um, mega stores. So many of those facilities will be literally inserted inside those uh, existing stores, uh, while some others will be added on to the building. And the idea is that Walmart will uh, use them as local fulfillment centers to fulfill orders for everything from fresh or frozen groceries to consumables and electronics. Uh, the company says it's doing that because its customers love the speed and convenience of pickup and delivery orders that they've made online. So this will be a faster way to serve them by transforming its stores to serve more purposes at the same time. Uh, the company actually already built a pilot version of one of these things. Uh, it's been running in Salem, New Hampshire since late 2019, uh, but now it says it will build dozens more. So uh, you can see it, it's a, clearly a significant investment. Uh, the system works by using automated robots, uh, little square shuttles with wheels, to retrieve items from the local fulfillment center there and bring them to a picking workstation. So that frees up the employees from walking all over the retail store to fulfill uh, online orders from shelves, although they'll still use that approach for fresh items like seafood and meat. And the whole process takes just a few minutes, Walmart says, from the time the order's placed until the time that it's ready for either a customer to pick up or for a delivery driver to get it and bring it to a customer's house. Uh, that is interesting. Uh, did Walmart say exactly how these systems will work? They did share some uh, some details, yes. Uh, so Walmart is going to do this by teaming up with three logistics technology vendors, uh, Dematic, Fabric, and Alert Innovation. 
So Dematic is a system integrator that's been in the sector for years. They're based in Atlanta. Um, Fabric, uh, which used to be known as Common Sense Robotics, uh, it is based in Israel, and, and they make some of these uh, small robotic shuttles. Um, and then Massachusetts-based Alert Innovation uh, is a startup that actually participated in that New Hampshire store uh, that was the pilot of this. Um, what Alert makes is something called an alpha bot, uh, which combines, in their words, an automated storage and retrieval ASRS system with an automated uh, each picking system. Uh, so Dematic uh, said that the whole trend toward uh, this growth and these investments in these micro-fulfillment centers is driven by grocery demand, online groceries. Um, and Dematic said the same point that Walmart made, which is that shoppers love to order that online uh, and then get the um, pick up the order either through curbside delivery in store, um, in store pickup or home delivery. So. Um, it, it's again, it, it was a, a big vote uh, by a major retailer that brick and mortar stores are, are here to stay. Yeah, certainly a trend that we'll be continuing to follow. It's uh, it's really, I think, the wave of the future with retail. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually kind of um, look forward when they get these things built to uh, to giving a shot myself uh, to, to see how the whole thing works. Right. Thanks, Ben. And Victoria, you reported this week on increasing demands for goods to person automated systems like we've just talked about. What did you write about in these increased demands? Sure. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, uh, demand for robotic goods to person material handling systems is expected to quadruple over the next two years as organizations look for ways to enforce social distancing in their warehouse. That's that's pretty much the size of it, uh, according to new research from uh, Gartner that I reported on, as you noted. So um, goods to person systems, as most of our readers know, are those that deliver goods from storage to a person in a picking or packing station, essentially. Um, and the robotics portion could include a range of technologies, including robotic shuttles, mobile robots, things like that. Uh, the researchers point to a number of reasons for the growing popularity of these types of systems, but one of the most interesting is that they are less invasive than other types of social distancing tools we've heard about, specifically those kinds of tools that track employees' movements. They reason that keeping people in place while using a virus-resistant robot to move goods around respects people's privacy and keeps them safe at the same time, so it's kind of a win-win a when you're looking to distance people in the warehouse. What are some of the other benefits that Gartner mentioned in their research? Yeah, uh, good point. Well, what we've long heard about these types of systems in general is that they can dramatically improve efficiency and productivity, and that some of these types of systems can also provide greater storage density. Examples of that include those, you know, those really large systems that move totes of goods in and out of a storage system or matrix. This can really help companies on a variety of levels, of course, but especially those that have been struggling to manage growing volumes of e-commerce orders in the last year. The research also makes some recommendations for companies as they investigate implementing these types of systems. And one, one I thought was worth, worth noting is that they suggest identifying use cases for goods to person solutions by studying travel patterns in your warehouse and specifically looking for social distancing bottlenecks, you know, places where it's difficult to get things done or things get backed up due to social distancing protocols. So those types of situations, you know, if you can identify those will be easy targets for these systems. And again, they just see explosive growth over the next couple of years. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And also check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. So go there and check it all out. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. 
And thanks again to our guest, Melinda McLaughlin of Prologis, for being with us today. We encourage your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to rate this podcast if your podcast platform allows for that. We appreciate your feedback. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by DCV TV. Be sure to check out the latest videos on dcvtv.com, the largest and best source of videos for the supply chain industry. Stop by often to see the latest uploads. Go to dcvtv.com to view them. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters. Be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.